platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Welcome to our special program on the 14th annual meeting of the new champions, also known as Samo Davos Forum in Tianjin. This year's meeting comes at a critical moment as the world is facing significant downward pressure. The IMF predicts the world economy will only see growth of 2.8 percent this year as we enter a period of slow growth. How can we leverage the Summer Davos 2023 to identify solutions to shared challenges? Where are the new frontiers for economic growth? And what role will China play in shaping the global economy? I spoke to three distinguished guests to find out. The 2023 annual meeting of the new champions, often known as Summer Davos, took place in Tianjin from June 27th to 29th. Gathering insights and calling for innovation and collaboration, over 1,500 company leaders and public figures met in Tianjin this year to address pressing global issues. Many attendees acknowledge that this year's Summer Davos not only showcased China's commitment to opening up, but also provided a platform for countries to exchange ideas, pursue cooperation, and explore opportunities for advancing the global economy. I spoke to Mr. Mirak Dusak, the World Economic Forum's managing director. During the interview, Dusak highlighted three development perspectives and emphasized how China contributes to maintaining stability in the world economy. Mr. Dusak, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me.、Mm -hmm. So the World Economic Forum has been a partner with China for a long time. You know that there are conflicting views about China's economic growth on the world stage. Some see it as creating opportunities, while others see it as a threat. So, how does WEF view China's economic development and its impact on the world? Thanks for having me.、Uh, we're so excited to be back、uh, for、uh, the annual meeting of the New Champions 2023,、mm -hmm. our Summer Davos.、Mm -hmm. uh, you may know we have a long tradition、yeah. in China holding this meeting. This、mm -hmm. is going to be our 14th annual、yeah. meeting of the New Champions.、Mm -hmm. For us and the,、uh, the, of course, the communities that、mm -hmm. we work with around the world to. Get a check-in on the Chinese economy, but also、yeah. on the global economy.、Right. And so there, just if I could、um, share with you that it is so important for us, and that was also the philosophy for、mm -hmm. me when I was working on this meeting,、mm -hmm. preparing it. It's so important that we provide、uh, a platform to check in on where we are、mm -hmm. uh, with the global economy, because.、Mm -hmm. We are in a low growth environment.、Yeah. Uh, you may have seen the latest numbers from the IMF.、Mm. It's 2.8% this year,、mm. a drop from 3.4% last year. It's it's also low by the standards of recent history. We've been averaging about 3.2 to 3.4 over the past decade. So we are really in a situation of low growth globally. Now, having said that. Uh, we of course、uh, need to make sure that this meeting is used to look at how do we get out of this.、Mm. Um, so there is a certain sense of agency in terms of what are the pathways to grow、uh, in the near term, in the near term, mid term, and long term. And、mm. so we really look at those three horizons of growth.、Mm. And the first one, the most immediate one, is really the fact that we are、uh, in China, we are in Asia. 
If you look at uh, the analysis again, uh, recent that was recently put out, seven, up to 70% of the growth that we're seeing globally is coming from Asia Pacific. Mm. So uh, we need to be aware of the growth markets. Um, there is obvious reopening of the economies after COVID, but we need to take advantage of that and be able, uh, for, the global, for the sake of the global economy, to build on that. Now, mm. the mid-term horizon of growth as we see it, mm. and it's at the heart of this meeting, it's called the new champions, yeah. is entrepreneurship and innovation. Mm. And we are saying that we need a new generation of entrepreneurship and innovation. Now, if you look around, I noticed, for example, the uh, amazing advancement in terms of the EV, the yeah. electric vehicles here in China, uh, and of course that you could go in different sectors. That shows you that Despite uh, the challenges that we have, and in this case it was COVID for everyone, still there is tremendous amount of entrepreneurial dynamism and mm. potential that we need, to really, mm. we need to really tap. We should also be aware that we have these two huge trends that all nations, are, all economies are facing. The digital transition, taking advantage of the digital economy, and of course the green transition. Mm. And so you will, if, you, if you look, uh, I'll share with you that after this, the booklet, uh, that we have uh, really with all the profiles of the global innovators, they represent it quite well. Because, mm -hmm. for example, on the AI, and this, is, this could be the year of AI, yeah. we have 10% of those global innovators directly related to AI. Mm -hmm. About 30% of all those coming are mm -hmm. using AI in their business uh, or businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, so just to show uh, that uh, we will be taking these two transitions very seriously, with, with the entrepreneurship theme. Mm. And the third horizon of growth that we see, and that's why we are also here, is around, it's, of course, we need to work on it every day. And let's face it, we have headwinds in terms of some geoeconomic developments, yeah. but we need to work on cooperation. Because mm. if, if you do not work on cooperation, you will not be able to get, to get out properly and in a sustainable way out of the global growth environment globally. Mm. Uh, you may have seen the latest numbers, for example, from the IMF. They're saying that if we have long-lasting, severe fragmentation in the global economy, it would cost the global economy 7% of the global output and hitting the most vulnerable around the world. Mm. In a nutshell, we have these three horizons of growth, and of course they're relevant mm. also to, as we see it at least, to to the to the to the Chinese economy and how how uh, all, along all those three axes of course kind of the near term mid term long term it's so important you, we are mm. talking almost a twenty trillion dollar economy with mm. China mm. and so if if the predictions are now for China to grow over five percent this year that's adding one trillion one trillion dollars into the uh, into the global economy mm. this year so it's really very pivotal that all these opportunities and realize that are realized despite the headwinds and that's mm -hmm. why we're here. You mentioned China is going to contribute to world economic growth because it's very sizable uh, growth happening in China. But some countries view China's economic development as a threat or a competitor. What do you make of this? I think it's very important that, as I said, if we have fragmentation in the global economy, it will have costs, and that's been well articulated by the IMF, by the World Trade Organization. So if you just look at the data and you take a human-centered view, 
You want to make sure that uh, the most vulnerable people around us, who by the way, I don't know, uh, I follow it very closely, so if, if uh, it's well known if you have inflation, the threshold for the most vulnerable families, even different countries developing, develop, the threshold is very low. So it, it's, it's really, it's enough that you raise prices of certain basic commodities with inflation and those people cannot meet their monthly their monthly bills mm. and that can have huge repercussions so it's really we're looking at it from this from this vantage point of how do we make sure that we are an international organization for public private cooperation how do we make sure that we provide the necessary dialogue so that decision makers then around the world can see okay this is these are the costs and maybe these are the pathways for us to work together yeah. on certain things so that we can make sure that we take the human-centered uh, approach to, to really how we think about the global economy. For future economic trends, this is BizTalk. My second guest is Benedikt Sobotka, CEO of the Diversified Natural Resources Producer Eurasian Resources Group and co-chair of this year's Samo Davos. Sobotka expressed his views on China's position as one of the most dynamic markets, particularly in the new energy sector, highlighting its significant contribution to the global green energy transition. He also emphasized China's commitment to high-level opening up. Take a listen. China is a major market for commodity and resources. What is your assessment of China's demand for such commodities as the economy rebounds from the pandemic? The Chinese market for us is one of the most important markets. We sell anything between 40 to 90% of our products to China. Our company Eurasian Resources Group is one of the world's largest producers of materials for the energy transition, for example, for batteries. So for us, mm -hmm. China is the most important market because it is a significant consumer of materials right. for producing, for example, new energy vehicles. Yeah. Um, and of course, what we've seen this year is a tremendous increase in activity, business activity, in particular in the new energy vehicle space. Mm. Um, today, the penetration rates of electric vehicles in China are something like 30%. Um, China today has a 60% of global market share of, uh, of electric vehicles, um, and it's growing very fast. Also, mm. some of the largest manufacturers of electric vehicles, batteries, and associated technology are based here. So for us, this uh, anything related to the new energy transition, to mm. the green energy transition for us, is an important customer market. So for us, China is the center. And then I believe the new energy industry is booming in China, and that is creating a lot of opportunities for uh, businesses and consumers as well. Uh, but geopolitical tensions are creating a lot of uncertainties for global trade and investment flows. Uh, how do you view China as an investment destination amid this shifting global landscape? Well, what we see uh, China today, in particular in the, in the green energy space, um, it is by far the largest market. So whether it's wind farms, whether it's photovoltaic cells, renewable energy generation, whether it's for new energy vehicles, it's the far, by far the largest markets. Um, it also is the fastest growing market. It also is the most innovative market. So um, in, in a way, the, the, the global green energy transition is only possible with China. 
So mm -hmm. to talk about uh, fragmentation of supply chains in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in the green energy transition, it will be impossible to achieve it without having access to the innovation of Chinese companies um, and the manufacturing base of Chinese companies within the supply chain. So we need a global supply chain in order to achieve the Paris mm. greenhouse gas emission targets yeah. that the world has set itself. Right. So to talk about fragmentation of a supply chain is very, um, makes it very complicated because mm. we can only achieve these goals if we have open supply chains that are flexible, that are resilient, that are robust and uh, that are not influenced by, uh, by geopolitical aspects. And China is now very open up to uh, foreign businesses and China viewed the relationship with Europe uh, very uh, strategically. Um, how do you view this relationship and its impact on uh, your company's businesses? China, um, thankfully for the world, has opened up earlier this year. Um, I remember going, uh, coming here probably a week. Within the first week after China opened up, I returned. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could really see how the how the giant was awakening <laughs> after after hibernation for a, for quite a long time, and it's been a, a force of good for the world. And what I've also seen quite um, uh, as a positive impact uh, is a lot of visits of Chinese uh, government officials to whether it's to one of our home countries, uh, Kazakhstan, whether it's to Europe. Um, so it sends the signal that China is opening up to the world. It has always been open to the world, mm. um, but now with the leadership um, uh, being very much committed to international activities, international investments, the Belt and Road Initiative, the mm. next phase of the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, it's going to be a very important, very important factor because China is the world's, it's the biggest uh, trading partner for Europe. Mm. Right? It is by far the biggest trading partner for Germany, mm. um, which is my original home country, mm -hmm. um, and it's one of the largest uh, trading partners for most Central Asian countries and most African countries. Mm. So uh, China has to be part of the global conversation and I'm very glad to see that the Chinese government is also encouraging these community conversations around mm. the world and mm. being very proactive about it. Mm. Well, you said China's economic rebound is a good force for the world and appreciate that, but some people or um, some countries see it as a threat. What do you make of such views about uh, decoupling or de-risking from China? Well, de-risking de is a is a, the problem. What what kind of problem is being addressed, right? If the the problem we're trying to address is to um, increase economic activity, to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions, to uh, protect the environment, uh, to lift people out of poverty, then we have to cooperate. Right? Mm. We cannot fragment the approach to taking uh, to, to those those very large, very global problems. They're not local problems. Mm. Um, so we have to work together. And mm. we should not forget that even in, a, in, an, in an era of uncertainty, in an environment of uh, fragmentation, instability, um, military conflicts, mm. is we still have to find ways to communicate and work together because the challenges we have are global problems and we have to address them as a global as global coalitions. Well, this year marks the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative and I know that Eurasia was the center of global trade a long time ago. Do you think there is still potential to tap into? Well, we actually, our company ERG, we, we did one of the first Belt and Road projects probably about 20 years ago when we built an aluminium smelting complex in Kazakhstan with the use of Chinese technology, Chinese construction companies, Chinese funding. So, so our, our original home country, Kazakhstan, um, has been 
as at the center of this initiative um, and has benefited greatly from the, the mm. development opportunities. Um, so f for us, the Belt and Road Initiative is, is a source of pros uh, prosperity, of harmony, of win-win around, around the world, because we cooperate with Chinese partners as part of Belt and Road in many geographies, whether it's in Africa or in South America or in Central Asia. But of course, uh, Kazakhstan being, being the largest uh, neighbor in Central Asia to, uh, to, uh, to China, uh, Belt and Road is very important. And I see great potential for Belt and Road um, to advance further, particularly around the energy transition and green mm. energy investments. Um, Central Asia has, has very significant potential in renewable energy generation. And China has the capacity, the industrial manufacturing capacity and the technology to develop this potential in Central Asia. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's going to be the, the, the green belt and road, um, as, as, as some people call it, mm -hmm. uh, has great potential in Central Asia. And I'd mm -hmm. like to welcome more Chinese companies to engage. We're actually very actively building wind farms in Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. um, it has a very similar wind capacity, wind potential to Western China, uh, to Xinjiang area. So um, mm -hmm. there's great potential for wind, wind generation, mm -hmm. wind electricity generation in Kazakhstan. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. For future economic trends, this is BizTalk. Finally, I had the opportunity to interview Yunus Sakuri, Moroccan Minister of Economic Inclusion, Small Business, Employment and Skills. Sakuri shared valuable insights on the influence of AI technology on Morocco's job market and the world and highlighted potential areas where China and Morocco could enhance their cooperation. You are here taking part in a World Economic Forum. What is your opinion of the ongoing discussions? Well, first of all, I'm very delighted to be in China and I'm very happy for the very specific hospitality that we got. And uh, I think that the world needed a message of peace, a message of collaboration, a message of cooperation, mm. and uh, a message uh, that tries to uh, uh, put all the nations uh, into a track of uh, a better world. Yeah. So it comes through investment, it comes through trade, mm. and it comes through uh, mutual understanding mm. and respect. Do you think these discussions are constructive towards those goals? Well, definitely. I think that you have here in uh, something like 1,500 sea-level mm. executives, ministers, chiefs of states and governments, and of course, uh, representatives of the corporate world. It's a good mm. uh, place to be, to discuss and to shape the future and explore the possibilities and cooperations that are possible. But it's also a political moment. Mm. It's not a 100% economic moment, it's also a political moment. Mm. So that the decision makers understand that there is a common stake and that we all need to protect this common stake. And it can't work unless we are cooperative and we want to work together. Yes, so I think that message is really resonating among participants that cooperation is of urgent uh, priorities right now. And Minister, I know uh, you are responsible for economic inclusion, you're for SMEs, for 
Um, in your opinion, um, what obstacles do SMEs mostly facing and what are you doing to support their development? Well, in, in Morocco in particular, you know that there is a long tradition between Morocco and China and we're celebrating today more than 60 years of official recognition of our two states and collaboration between our two countries. Uh, Morocco is a country that is very ambitious, you know, we're placed in North Africa, so we're bridging uh, with the bridge between Europe and Africa and uh, the, the rest of the world. And uh, SMEs are part of a very ambitious strategy that we have of investment because job creation, yeah. welfare of the population comes through investment and investment uh, might come at first with big companies, with big corporations, but then they need to work with small businesses so yeah. that they are Same sure the, yeah. the SMEs. Uh, uh, the main challenges are on the uh, skill challenge, the digital transition. And of course, SMEs always need uh, ambitious and courageous fiscal policies mm -hmm. and support policies. We just yeah. launched a program with 100,000 SMEs and it seems to work in Morocco. SMEs are playing a major role in providing jobs and we know that the job market is also undergoing tremendous transformation due to the automation, the AI. How is Morocco preparing its workforce? AI is definitely one of the major challenges in the future. Uh, the trends of the uh, labor market are uh, being confirmed. One of the major trends is the transformation from employment to work. Basically with this G, Z generation yeah. that wants to work in a different way. AI comes with disruptions. Maybe one third of the jobs will completely disappear and the 70% remaining jobs will rely on AI in a way or another to be performed. So the idea is that first of all, if we used to talk before about soft skills as part of the changes that we need to infuse into management and training, now digital uh, uh, skills are one of the skills that we absolutely need to infuse. For instance, mm -hmm. in Broco, what we launched is a huge project that we called uh, the 12 cities of skills mm -hmm. uh, that His Majesty King Mohammed VI launched with more than 300 new curricula and we have complete digital villages in these cities where young students are being trained mm -hmm. to bridge the gap in particular in digital skills. So for us investing in digital skills is important for us to be prepared to the next generation of jobs. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to innovation and job market, um, one of China's priorities is to empower the youth and women. Could you share that um, and some of the experiences of Morocco in that regard? Well, uh, after COVID in particular, uh, we witnessed in the world that the vulnerable population is uh, touched more than any other population in terms of jobs mm -hmm. and quality of jobs, yeah. in terms of decent jobs in particular. Uh, so what we did in Morocco is launch specific programs for these vulnerable populations and in particular women and youth. So many uh, uh, people do not, uh, uh, they stop working or they stop studying for some reason. So our objective is to offer them a second chance, it's what we call the school of the second chance, mm. that offers them uh, vocational training rather than 
regular training mm. so that they can accumulate a couple of grades and points mm. in terms of competencies and skills and uh, then get a, uh, a real-life degree that enables them to access to the world of uh, to the labor market uh, and not necessarily a degree and this is one of the trends of the market labor in the future it will be more based on skills rather on th than on uh, uh, diplomas mm. so these are uh, uh, so we have specific programs for hundreds of thousands of people which is important compared to the scale of Morocco mm -hmm. and uh, I'm very happy to say that uh, we have a very good collaboration with China mm -hmm. after His Majesty's visit to a country in 2016 uh, with a political uh, dialogue with uh, economic and financial cooperation but also with R&D innovation and exchange of youth and training. Mm -hmm. So I think that we have so many things to develop together with this regard. Mm. Indeed, talking about China-Morocco collaboration, we know uh, the forum is talking about a lot of global challenges. We're facing a multi crisis in the world today. In your opinion, in what areas China can, and Morocco can further deepen cooperation? I think that a green transition is a good area where we can cooperate together. Mm. Uh, enhancing the techno uh, technological uh, capacities is also an important one. Um, uh, solar energy, eolian energy, and uh, so many other areas. And uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, in, uh, Chinese investments in Morocco. And what is important is that the investments we have are operated under private-public partnerships as well. Mm. So we have also very good governance models that shape our relationships. And I think that this is what distinguishes the relationship between China and Morocco uh, uh, compared to many other relationships uh, mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, this year marks the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative and Morocco uh, joined the initiative in 2017. How do you view this ongoing cooperation and what further potential uh, can China and Morocco tap into? Already we have a big project in Morocco called the Tanger City, Sec, City Tech mm -hmm. project that is uh, uh, entirely uh, uh, done with uh, the authorities and the corporations of your country. So it's a big city of technology that is uh, 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 that uh, receives investments uh, and that is designed with uh, uh, a Chinese, let's say, uh, uh, partnership. Uh, I think that since 2017 we had more than 30 memorandums of understanding in so many sectors and areas. And I think that the future of our relationships is very promising, not only economically speaking, because mm. what distinguishes the relationship between China and, Mor and Morocco is that our two nations are ancient nations with values, with specific uh, uh, DNAs, yeah. and, uh, and there is a civilizational dimension that we don't find in so many other partnerships. So I think that it's very promising to diversify our partnerships, to make sure our youth our uh, women, our skills, our talents benefit from the partnerships that we do. This is why we need to uh, reinforce the exchange of skills and, uh, and studies between our two nations. Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you for receiving me. Merci.